you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Welcome back to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. I am Lisa Palladino, and I am so happy that you joined me today. Now, as most of you know, I am a midwife and a lactation consultant. So, even though so much of this podcast concentrates on tongue tie, I feel it's very important to go back a little bit and think about the basics of breastfeeding. As a midwife and a lactation consultant, I am well aware that so many parents stop breastfeeding because they feel that they do not have enough milk. I'm going to talk about today what enough milk means. Um, We're going to talk about how much milk baby actually needs, how to make enough milk, um, how to troubleshoot if there is too much or too little milk, and believe it or not, too much milk is often a problem, and when professional assistance is important. Now, I realize that not everyone who's listening to this podcast is of breastfeeding, in the stage of breastfeeding, in that stage of life, right? However, most of you, even if you're a professional, are at the point where you are helping breastfeeding parents. Learning the basics of milk supply will help you to support your patients. Now, I'm not saying that this is enough to to replace lactation care or professional lactation care. Absolutely not. I'm not trying to put IBCLCs out of business. But after listening to this episode, you may have more of of an appreciation for when an IBCLC is necessary. And you may be able to do simple things with your patients and clients that will assist them to find the right help that they need or even just to solve their problems if they're not such big problems or if they're only perceived problems because often the milk supply concerns are perceived low milk supply when there's enough. So let's get into it. First of all, how much milk does baby need? Right? How do we know if baby's getting enough? We're going to go all into that. So at one day old, a baby only needs a quarter of an ounce per feeding. 
At three days old, the baby needs three quarters to one ounce per feeding. And after the first few days, the average is about an ounce per hour, which, you know, there's 24 hours in a day. So that's 22 to 28 ounces per day. And what's so interesting to me is that this does not change as baby gets older. So a three-month-old baby needs between 22 and 28 ounces of breast milk each day, as does a five-month-old baby. And the reason for that is that the rate of growth slows as the baby gets older. So a one-week-old baby has a rate of growth and needs those calories the same as a six-month-old baby whose growth rate has slowed. Isn't that fascinating? I've always found that fascinating. Now, when we are nursing a baby and not giving a bottle, we don't know how much they're getting. So we will talk about how to tell that they're getting enough. Um, But for now, it's just, just important for you to have that visual in your head of a quarter of an ounce per feeding, right? Because, you know, our bottle feeding culture you know, you go to the hospital and they give you these two ounce bottles to give your baby. And there is no way a brand new baby should be taking two ounces. So now that we're thinking about, okay, we're not going to be measuring the ounces because we can't see the ounces when a baby is directly feeding at the breast. So we talk more about how many feedings per day. Right. And I'm going to go back to the beginning of, of you know, birth, baby's born. Um, and we suggest that on day one, the day of birth, we keep the baby skin to skin as much as possible, if that is possible, and feed on demand. Some babies are not very interested in feeding the first day. A lot of times they will um, be active for that first hour or so and then take a long sleep. And that's okay because mama probably feels like taking a long sleep at that point too, right? But you keep the baby close and you feed them as soon as they demand for it. And how do we know that they're demanding for it? They show feeding cues. They start looking for, um, you know, smacking their lips, looking for their hands to suck on, um, perhaps crying. But crying is a late sign of hunger. So you don't want to wait till the baby cries. So you want to keep that baby hands out, not swaddled, Watch for their feeding cues and feed them on demand, day one. Day two and beyond, the baby usually will take 8 to 12 breastfeedings in a 24-hour period. So I'm going to clear up another myth that's very popular that we hear from hospitals, doctors, nurses. I know I used to think this was the thing. Every two to three hours. And I'm, I'm here to say nope. Not every two to three hours. Eight to 12 feedings in 24 hours. Babies do not feed by the clock. They feed by their hunger. And not every feeding is exactly the same when you're breastfeeding. So some babies may feed every hour for three hours and then sleep for four hours. And that's okay. So you want to count the number of feedings per day. Not oh my goodness, the baby hasn't fed in two hours, I better wake them. Now, little caveat here. If a baby is very premature or very low birth weight or there's a hypoglycemia, a sugar issue, that's another story. We are talking about well babies here, right? Babies where there's no complications. 
So in the early days, what are the signs that baby is getting enough milk? The first sign is that feeding is comfortable for mom because if feeding is uncomfortable, that's a red flag that something's wrong, not only with what's going on at the latch, but it has to do with the efficiency of feeding. So if a baby is feeding efficiently and transferring milk from the breast, getting lots of milk into their mouth and swallowing with that that milk, that's efficient feeding. If they are causing pain, it means that their latch is not efficient. So comfort for mom is not just about mom, right? We want to keep that in mind and um, reach out if there's any pain. How else do we know that baby's getting enough milk? We want to make sure there are enough wet and dirty diapers. And there's a very simple formula for this. One wet, one poopy diaper on the first day, two on the second, three on the third, and so on, until about six days that that baby should have nice yellow bowel movements because it starts out very dark. If, if anybody's ever had a newborn, you remember that meconium starts out very dark, but should transition to yellow and seedy by days five or six. Um, also, the frequency of the stool increases. We excrete that meconium. So they are excreting the bilirubin, which is in the meconium and their skin tones are good. There's no jaundice there, right? So these are all ways that we know that baby's getting enough milk. Um, As far as weight, after the initial weight loss, which can be up to 10% in the first 72 hours, babies then begin to gain weight again. And they usually gain about an ounce a day, right? So Um, say a baby is seven pounds, 10 ounces, and they go down to seven pounds, six ounces. By day three, they should be seven, seven, and the next day, seven, eight, like that. They gradually start gaining it back. They typically are back to birth weight by two weeks of age. And if a baby is under their birth weight at two weeks of age, that's a red flag that they need additional help. So I would definitely refer to an IBCLC, um, refer to the pediatrician if the baby is not at birth weight by two weeks old. And one of the best ways to know if the baby is getting enough milk is that there are times when that baby seems satisfied between feedings. Without a pacifier, without swaddling, that baby goes into a restful sleep on its own after a feeding. That's a very important sign. And then, so those were like the signs in the first two weeks, and some of them carry on to older babies. But beyond the first two weeks, some of the ways we know that the baby is getting enough um, get a little bit more complicated, right? So I'm gonna divide them now into the parent, the baby, and the feeding as far as symptoms. So I'll start with the parent. Again, the parent should have no pain during or between feedings. The parent shouldn't feel any engorgement unless baby misses a feeding. So those full breasts that happen in the first couple of days, that should be gone by two weeks. And the breast should feel relieved or softer after a feeding as if milk was removed. As for the baby, as I said, the expected weight gain is about an ounce per day. 
And that baby, after two weeks, should be fed on demand and show feeding cues 8 to 12 times per day. That baby should seem happy and satisfied after a feeding and have some time between feedings where they're happy and satisfied and settled. They shouldn't have crying or colic or spitting up more than occasionally, right? Um, And their daily diaper output should be about or at least six wet diapers and three to four yellow CD bowel movements per day. Remember, we're talking about the baby that's about two weeks old and beyond. As we said before, the feeding um, will be about eight to 12 times per day, and it should last anywhere between five to 30 minutes. I'm very um, (laughs) well known for saying that we don't time feedings, right? So if you come into my office, there's no clock on my wall, right? And people say, how long should I feed the baby for? And I always say, there's no clock here. We watch the baby, not the clock. However, if the baby is feeding for more than 30 minutes and still seeming hungry, that's also a red flag that the baby's having difficulty getting milk. And there's lots of reasons why the baby may be having difficulty getting milk. One of them might be that there's low milk supply, but there's other reasons too. So we want to just reach out for professional help if that feeding is lasting more than 30 minutes. And then some babies are quick and efficient. So if a baby only nurses for five minutes, you know, every few hours and is having eight to 12 feedings a day and is making peas and poops and seems happy, you know, say thank you and be happy. That baby's very efficient and is doing a good job and everything's good. So there's no definite timing to feedings ever, right? Okay. What else about the feeding? You want to make sure and and observe that the baby is able to stay latched. He or she isn't popping on and off or pulling at the nipple or the opposite, gagging or choking when the milk comes down. Um, When the baby is finished eating, the body should be relaxed. They appear calm or sleepy. Breast milk actually has you know, hormones in it that help the babies to relax. So they should be satisfied. Their hands are soft, right? So in the beginning of a feeding, the baby's hands are very tense. And then after a feeding, they're like almost limp, right? So that's how you can tell it was a good feeding. And then other signs we're looking for in a feeding is that it actually seems rhythmic. You see sucks and swallows or hear the swallows There's no chomping or biting, and it doesn't just seem like sucking, 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 just suckling without any swallows, right? So you want to be looking at the feeding itself and seeing what's going on there if you're worried about milk supply. This episode is brought to you by A Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant our professional and multidisciplinary course in which all types of professionals are welcome. The topics that you will learn in Professional's Guide include assessment, treatment plans, phrenotomy, and aftercare. Also included is a set of patient education downloads. It's a great bonus. You can just print and share with those that you take care of. Also included is our private community just for members of the course, 
multidisciplinary, great place to network, share, present case studies, learn from private education events that I have, and generally just be a part of a growing community of tongue-tie professionals who want to support their patients and clients in the best way that they can. Great news, the Tongue Tie Professionals course now has four LSERPs for IBCLCs included with no additional live trainings required. So you can learn at your own pace, whenever you want, take your time, you have access for a year. Use code PODCAST15 as a member of our community. TongueTieExperts.net slash professionals, the course is there. If you're not ready to sign up right now, stay tuned. In the next couple of weeks, in July of 2022, we'll be having our annual summer sale with a deeper discount, and it's going to be fun. I can't wait to see you in the course. So what are the signs of a low milk supply? So I'm going to list them here. And um, if you encounter any of these signs, I would suggest medical intervention and, and a lactation consultant, right? Now, I always say this, always, that this is just a podcast. And even though I am a medical professional, I am not your medical professional. And this is not meant to be specific medical advice. I'm just trying to educate everybody and help you have an idea of what it means to actually have low milk supply and eventually what to do about it. So these are some of the signs of low milk supply. Painful feedings, low diaper output, dark urine or bowel movements beyond the first couple of days. Those bowel movements might be dark in the beginning, but they should gradually get lighter. Um, needing to always wake the baby to feed them. That's not a good sign. Um, jaundice, of course, you always report jaundice or yellowing of the skin to your doctor. Another sign of milk supply insufficiency or insufficient low milk supply is a baby who wants to eat continuously and never seems satisfied. And then, of course, inadequate weight gain. So a baby that's not gaining, that's falling off the curve, not at birth weight at two weeks, or um, slowing down with gaining less than an average of about an ounce a day in the very beginning. And then that, that evens out after about four months, it goes between a half an ounce to three quarters of an ounce a day. Um, but they're staying on their curve, right? They're staying on their curve. If they're a small baby and they were in the 15 percentile, they should stay in the 15 percentile or rise above it. They shouldn't be dropping into the 10 percentile. So you want to keep a good eye on that. There are some myths and some um, signs that parents and sometimes professional caregivers consider might be signs of low milk supply. And I like to call these myths because they are not signs of low milk supply. So some of these include cluster feeding. And if you don't know what cluster feeding is, that usually happens in the evening. Um, You're trying to make dinner or have a meal or spend some time with your 
partner and you want to put the baby down and you just can't. He or she wants to eat constantly. It feels like you just fed them and they want to feed again. Um, That could be normal. That does not mean that there's not enough milk. It just means that the baby wants more milk, right? And that baby nursing is what's going to bring more milk. So that could... That could happen, and it doesn't mean that there are signs of low milk supply without other signs there, right? So the baby that's doing that all day long, yes, there's a problem. But if there's a time of the day or a day once every couple of weeks where the baby wants to feed often, that's cluster feeding, and that's normal, okay? Um, Babies who wake at night to eat any time during the first year, That does not tell us that there's not enough milk, right? So babies wake at night for many reasons. It's actually supposed to be how they eat because breast milk is very easily digested for a reason. It keeps them from sleeping too deeply. It keeps them breathing during the night to wake up for hunger. So we do not want them sleeping deeply. We do not mind those nighttime wakings because that's a healthy sign actually, and we expect it. So nighttime wakings are not a sign of low milk supply. So a baby who has been sleeping through through the night or sleeping six hours and all of a sudden wants to get up every three hours for a couple of days in a row does not mean that there's not enough milk. Okay. The next one that I will talk about is something that I hear so often. We hear people say, You know, they told me to give the baby a bottle to see if he was still hungry. So if a baby will take a bottle after breastfeeding, that does not mean that there was not enough milk in the feeding. It does not mean that you have low milk supply. Babies will suck on almost anything. My five-month-old grandson was trying to suck on my chin the other day. He was not hungry. He just wanted to suck. And if you suck on a bottle and milk comes, you'll swallow it. So taking a bottle after breastfeeding is not a sign that you don't have enough milk. Okay? Um, what, what else can make you think that you might not have enough milk? Um, not being able to pump a lot of milk is another reason that I hear. Another uh, question I get. Uh, You know, I can't pump too much, especially after I feed the baby. Does that mean the baby's not getting enough? Or I skipped a feeding and I pumped and I only got such and such. Is that enough for baby? And pumping is not a sign of how much milk the baby gets. So that's important to know. The baby and the pump are different methods of milk removal. So if everything is going well with your breastfeeding and you can't pump well, You should reach out for help because maybe it's your pump. Maybe somebody's got to fit you better for your pump or show you different settings. But it's not necessarily a sign that there's not enough milk. Which brings us to the next issue that I hear. One of my pet peeves is the concept that we need to have a freezer stash of milk. And I'm telling you now, and it's one of the things I'd like to shout from the rooftops, we do not need a freezer stash ever. And actually, having a freezer stash can be problematic. And 
I can't go into the details of that. Maybe I'll do a whole nother episode just about, I'll rant about why freezer stash can be a problem. But we do not need a freezer stash. We need enough to feed our own baby. If we are working or going back to work or planning to go back to work, we only have to have enough milk for the day and the day, you know, the first or second day of work. Because when you go to work, in order to maintain breastfeeding, you will need to pump. And also in order to not be uncomfortable, you will need to pump. So you'll be pumping at work and bringing milk home. So there is no reason to have a freezer full of milk before you return to work. On the topic of work, work, you leave the baby or you're not working. Maybe you go, you know, out for the day or a wedding or somebody's babysitting for any reason, daycare, whatever, on a regular basis. And they are telling you that you're not leaving enough milk for them. Now, that does not mean you don't make enough milk, even if you seem to not be pumping enough for the baby. If you're leaving the baby, you want to make sure that the caregiver understands the baby should only get approximately an ounce an hour and not more than that. So many well-meaning caregivers, I see this often with grandparents, will give a bottle and then give another bottle if there's any complaining. And because the bottle feeding culture, that's how we did it, right? We just, okay, when in doubt, just give the baby another bottle. And a breastfed baby, you don't want to do that. You want to make sure they're getting what they need, of course, but look for other reasons. If the baby's gotten enough milk, look for other reasons they might be fussy, right? So maybe the baby needs to burp. Maybe the baby needs a clean diaper, change of scenery, a little hugging and loving. But more important than that, we want to teach caregivers how to do paste bottle feeding. And um, if you want, you know, if you want to search the internet, there's lots of YouTube videos on paste bottle feeding or bottle feeding the breastfed baby. Um, we want to make sure that baby is eating slowly because when a baby nurses, they usually take 15 to 20 minutes to take their feeding. And if they get that bottle very fast, they'll still want to suckle for another few minutes. So we want to slow down their feeding and have them get satisfied by the suckling over a longer period of time. And usually that gets things in sync with how much milk you supply for the caregiver and how much they feed the baby. In general, a baby should take about an ounce an hour for the time you're away. So if you're giving, say you're away for eight hours and you're giving them 12 ounces just to be safe, they should not need more than that. Something is wrong if they're giving more than that. They're, they're feeding the baby too often. Okay, another myth that happens with parents, you know, in the beginning your breasts feel very full when it's time to feed. And I get frantic messages from mamas who say, I think my milk is gone. My breasts are soft. And I always reassure them. Once the initial engorgement happens and once that milk supply is established, your breasts don't necessarily get full anymore. They stay soft, but they still make milk. It's really amazing how they work. So don't worry about that. And then the other question is, 
if my period comes back, if I start having my monthly cycle, does that mean I'm not making enough milk? And the answer is no. And when periods resume is different with everybody. Um, some continue to get a period and make plenty of milk. Some people don't get their period when they're nursing. It's very individual and it has no bearing on milk supply at all. Some people will have a little bit of a dip during the, the cycle. And if you do that, talk to an IBCLC. We have all kinds of um, hints to how to combat that and, and uh, make that not be an issue for you. But period coming back is not a sign that you don't have enough milk. Okay, so we've been through the signs of low milk supply, things that don't mean low milk supply. We've talked about what to expect in feedings. Now let's talk about the causes of low milk supply. And I'm going to, to go through these quickly because there's not, you know, we could be here all day talking about the causes of low milk supply, but just some of the things to keep in mind if it's either yourself having a lowered amount of milk or you're supporting someone. You want to think about what are the risk factors? What are the things that if, if these are going on for me or for my patient, I have to think about that might lead to low milk supply? And they don't always but they could. So again, we're going to talk about the parent, the baby, and the feeding separately. In a parent, a traumatic birth, a hormonal imbalance, like a thyroid problem, um, PCOS, severe anemia, um, insufficient glandular tissue, there are some medications, um, dehydration, history of breast surgery, all of these things are possible causes of low milk supply. Um, when I say traumatic birth, I mean a long induction, um, sometimes a C-section, af especially after labor, um, sometimes a C-section in itself. Um, what else? Gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, all the complications of pregnancy. And also, you know, when we talk about hormonal imbalance, Fertility challenges, all of those are things to think about as a possible warning sign that the parent may have low milk supply, right? So it's not to say that they're absolutely going to, but it's something to think about, right? For baby, you want to think about difficulty latching and feeding due to anatomical conditions such as lip and tongue tie. Things like torticollis, um, difficulty turning the head from one side to the other, um, any tightness in their cervical spine, all of those things, which can just occur from natural positioning in uterus or from the birth, those can cause the baby to have difficulty feeding. And if the baby is having difficulty feeding, that will contribute to low milk supply. Also, believe it or not, swaddling. Another of my facts I'd like to shout from the rooftops, um, I do not like swaddling except for like really short periods of time, maybe to settle the baby quickly um, because swaddling prevents those uh, feeding cues that we talked about earlier. When a baby is swaddled, they cannot show us their feeding cues. They can't try to suck on their hands. And also babies who are swaddled feed less frequently. That's one of the reasons that we 
traditionally swaddled babies in the nursery. Way back when I worked in the nursery in the 90s, we would swaddle babies because all the babies were in the nursery. Most of them were being bottle fed. Mamas didn't want the babies in the room, especially during visiting hours. We didn't allow it then. Things are a lot different now. So we had 14 babies and maybe two nurses to take care of them. So we needed them to sleep in between. So we swaddled them. So that's where the swaddling comes from. But we don't want to do that for breastfed babies because we want them up. We want them to feed frequently because it's their feeding frequently that makes the milk come. And it makes the milk, it keeps the milk supply copious. It keeps the milk supply at the level that the baby needs because the more milk a baby removes from the breast, the more milk will be made. So when we're looking at causes of milk supply, we talked about the parent causes, we talked about baby causes, and then we have parents and baby coming together for feeding. So some of the things that can cause low milk supply during a feeding is poor positioning, which is why a lactation professional can sometimes just make a simple adjustment to the way the baby is being held, and that can make all the difference. Um, timed feedings. As I told you before, I don't like the clock, right? Feed on, feed on demand and watch the baby, not the clock. Um, sleep training and scheduling will cause low milk supply. It's one of the highest causes of low milk supply. And also supplementing with formula, especially if you're supplementing with formula, but you're not pumping and removing milk from the breast. When we started this episode, I told you that I would let you know how or who to reach out for for help. If you are not an IBCLC and you're taking care of breastfeeding parents, you should have an IBCLC. And I don't say should very often, but I'm going to say should here. You should have an IBCLC that you network with. And if any of the concerns come up before or if if necessary, during the um, advice to supplement, you should suggest refer to an IBCLC. Um, an IBCLC is the feeding expert, right? So an IBCLC is the gold standard, international board certified lactation consultant, the gold standard in taking care of breastfeeding. So nobody knows more about supporting milk supply than an IBCLC. So enough of a commercial for myself and my, and my um, profession, but it's the truth and most people don't know it. Okay, so if we think there is low milk supply, what are some things we can do? The first rule is always feed the baby, right? So we always wanna get that baby fed, but what could we do with the feeding so we want to think about, we want to start with the causes and try to correct the cause. So find and correct the causes. And the IBCLC is the best at doing that. Let me explain some of what we do. We often suggest lots of skin to skin, feeding on demand. Now the standard is eight to 12 times in 24 hours, but if a baby is feeding eight times and weight gain's not happening, sometimes we'll increase that. No timed or scheduled feedings or sleep training for the reasons I explained previously. 
We want to assess the feeding position, the latch, and the amount of milk that's transferred. And we do that. IBCLCs have very um, closely calibrated scales that, you know, I can tell you if the baby took 0.1 of an ounce. Um, So that's part of what we do. And if a supplement is needed, the first choice is expressed breast milk. So anytime a parent is told that they need to give a supplement, they should be taught how to use a breast pump and they should be pumping milk to give breast milk, their own breast milk is the first choice to be given to the baby. And if they don't have enough breast milk and the baby needs to get a different supplement, formula, or donor milk, the parent should still pump to replace that milk removal. Otherwise, the amount of milk made will continue to decrease. So milk removal increases milk. So if, say, the baby um, needs to be fed 10 times and twice during the day the baby's getting a bottle of formula, if that's the case, then... If the parent doesn't pump twice that day to replace those bottle feedings, the breasts are going to get the message that they only have to make enough milk for eight feedings, not 10 feedings. So we want to keep that even, and we want to keep giving messages to the breasts to make more milk. So what else are we going to do if there is low milk supply? We're going to look at the infant causes, and we're going to have a pediatrician check-in. Ask them if there are any reasons they see in the baby that might be causing low milk supply or preventing the infant from taking proper nutrition, whether that be feeding or digestion or metabolism, right? We want to have an assessment for tongue tie by an experienced IBCLC because tongue tie can be an issue that can cause low milk supply. We want to have body work meaning infant chiropractic or a physical therapist, occupational therapist, craniosacral therapist, et cetera, someone who's comfortable in working on the tension patterns in infants. We want to have lots of tummy time. For that tummy time to be comfortable, we may need those body workers that I just mentioned. We want to stop swaddling, except when we have to, maybe to calm the baby quickly, but Honestly, skin-to-skin calms a baby quicker than swaddling most of the time. And we want to use pacifiers only in emergencies. We do not want that baby to be sucking on a pacifier when they should be getting a feeding. When it comes to correcting parent causes, we want to consider history for hormonal causes of low milk supply. We want to consider lab work such as iron, ferritin levels, thyroid, vitamin D, prolactin, etc. And we want to replete any missing nutrients with food and supplements as needed. A GYN, OBGYN, or an experienced IBCLC will know how to do a breast exam for IgT insufficient glandular tissue. Um, We want to make sure we're assessing for prior breast surgery. We want to provide a nutritious diet with sufficient water intake. And we may suggest adding pumping to the feeding plan to increase supply. Because remember what I said about pumping, um, milk removal is what makes more milk. So if a baby isn't feeding efficiently, 
sometimes we have to add pumping to make that up for the mama to get the milk supply up. Okay, so I have told you a lot of things about milk supply today, and I hope it's been helpful to hear all about milk supply and how we know if there's low milk supply, how we know or things that seem like they may be low milk supply, the myths that actually aren't a sign of low milk supply, how to get help with milk supply. Um, I'm going to definitely have more episodes on this topic. And if you have any questions for me, feel free to email me at lisa at lisapalladino.net. I love to know what topics you want to hear about in reference to breastfeeding. In the meantime, in the show notes, you're going to find links to my courses, links to my Instagram. Please follow me at Tongue Tie Experts on Instagram. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please spend a moment to rate it and share it. And if you want to give a comment, that would be wonderful. This way we get the message out to more parents and more professionals. Thank you so much for joining me today. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.